all of those things, when I had mentioned it earlier, that's, those are all those little tidbits that I could have used as a stumbling block at any point and said, you know what? I'm done. I quit. So I can tell this about you. I presume that now in life, you definitely don't get too low on the lows, right? Absolutely. You, you've not. felt it to the mass capacity in some senses. Is it hard for you to get super excited or hopeful when you win? Or do you still get? Oh, I still get beside myself for every, every little one of them. Good. Uh, every, okay, so you do. Every, every single one of those. The, the part that I've probably learned the most is to not allow myself to get too down because knowing that someone is watching out for me mm-hmm. um, and he's not going to let me you know, put more on me than I can bear. And obviously there's many, you know, there's much worse that could come at any moment, you know, in my life, but I know that I can survive it because I have that strength. Before we get started today, I would be remiss if I did not thank our partners over at Proper Creative. Proper Creative is a production-on-demand company, and they monetize e-commerce platforms. They have a marketing powerhouse team from graphic designers, web development, photographers, videographers, market analysis, digital marketing strategists, and of course, social media experts. They help companies from development of content and products to the execution of digital strategies for e-commerce. They provide both full service and a la carte services for businesses that sell direct to the consumers. For me today, I am wearing a proper creative branded shirt. This is the Level Up Podcast shirt. You can get it. And uh, this is something that we send to all of our guests that come on our show. Our partners send them a gift package, and it's brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you so much. You can follow them on social media, Instagram primarily, at P-R-O-P-R Creative. Again, they're an L.A.-based company, so they do things a little bit cooler than most. They spell proper, P-R-O-P-R Creative. Follow them on social media, Instagram, and give a shout-out. Thank you so much, again, to our brand partners, Proper Creative. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am your host, Matt Rogers. With me, as always, is the man with the golden Just For Men beard, <laughs> Co-EP, producer, engineer, president of Just For Men, Eli Adelman. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, dude. Are hey, you pumped today, geez, as always? I'm very excited. I always love when we have like musicians on the show. Oh, snap. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ready or not, here it comes. Hey, we got a freaking winning musician. Dude. For um, real. And a good friend of mine. Yeah. Speaking of winning, yeah. I can't help but notice you're dressed a little bit different today. Thank you. you I am dressed different. A fan. I am not wearing my normal level up swag, but I am wearing uh, my new employer swag. I've been a fan my whole life, and now I am part of the team, the Tennessee Titans. Look at you, baby. I'm the first round draft pick. I'm going to be starting in place of uh, Derrick Henry <laughs> oh, at man. running back. Dude, call your chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, man. I'm pumped. I just got announced as their PA announcer, which honestly is a dream come true for me. I've been watching, you know, games my whole life from TV and then as a season ticket holder. And they rolled out a competition, very American Idol style, where we had to submit an audition tape and then become a finalist, go in front of judges. And they announced me on uh, Wednesday yeah. last week yeah. that I was... The winner, dude, so good. And I it was cried. like it. It was cool to watch because like there's some great contestants, but dude, I mean, you do what you do really well. 
So, well, God bless you. I'm excited. Are to you see biased you. because we work together? And you no, feel like not you at have all. To say that? I would tell you straight up if I thought you sucked. You really would. Yeah. Eli really would tell me straight up if he thought I sucked because he tells me all the time, like, dude, you really <laughs> sucked right here, and you need to get better. <laughs> um, and I love you. I appreciate that. But we won, dude. We're expanding our brand. We're expanding our reach, and. We're still one of the fastest growing podcasts in 2021. Yep. Thank you to everybody. How many countries are we in now? You always, you're the analytics guy. Like a million. I think we're up to 25 or something like that. 25. So we were 21 a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now we're 25 countries. Yep. Conquering the world. Do you know the new ones? Last time it was like Brazil uh, and Dubai. Look. I think we got Czech Republic. Is in what? there. Uh, Who are you from the Czech Republic? Dude, Thank you. Like Hong Kong's in there. Hong Kong? Like, I don't know, man. Let's go. It's cool. So. It's exciting. A lot of Canadians. Hey, Hong Kong needs to level up. Canada, I love you. Canada's been good to me. Yep. It's been good to me. I love people. Yeah. We are winning. And someone who is not a stranger to winning competitions, my good friend, I met Craig Wayne Boyd. um, Well, I I saw him from the cheap seats uh, when he won season seven of The Voice. And I don't know, man. Like, there's some people that you're just like, I want to be that guy's friend. And he was, he was that guy. Like he just looked like a good dude. And then fast forward when we moved out here to Tennessee, he was playing at the grand Ole Opry. I reached out to him. No, I saw him on a news outlet. Um, when I was out here doing a news outlet and he was just the coolest guy and we became friends. We can talk about that, but let me officially intro him. My friend, Craig Wayne Boyd. Yeah. Is How are you, man? Dude. Dude, I'm good. <laughs> I'm sporting my, uh, my, uh, love for you. <laughs> right did you here. honestly, did you wear that for me? I did. I love you. Just bro. for you. Just no, for I, you. I thought, you know, I, my, my aspirations have been like, I wanted to be a radio DJ, like in high school and really? stuff like that. And I love your voice. And I was like, I, you know what? Maybe he needs a sidekick on this gig. Yes. I need a spotter. <laughs> See, um, I, I, I'm your, I'm your Huckleberry. You're my Huckleberry? Yes. I have, um, I don't know how the whole spotter thing works. We're going to find out, but I know that they're going to have an amazing team for me. Uh, but I'm pumped. You, I have the funny. jersey to cover it, man. It's got my name on the I back and everything. You, dude, it does. <laughs> so who got you that? Um, doing the national anthem uh, at the stadium. That when, was, uh, it was really cool. When you do the anthem, do you go like big or do you keep it low? Because like, I did the anthem a couple times and I stay low and then I hit the, you know, land of the free. I hit that big. But do you go big the whole time? Or? Man, I, I stick more traditional with it. Um, just straight up sing the song and and uh, pay homage. That's where I like to stick it at. So off the top of your head, like what key do you start out at? Um, usually key of D. What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. Oh, say see, can that's high. you see? Right, right in there. I go low. I go. Oh, say, can you see? Because if I start there, <laughs> I'm screwed by the time it comes to the middle. I can't. I couldn't start. So what key am I in? I really don't know how to read music. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, don't get me to line, but I would say that's you? probably probably around A. Yeah. That's what I'm, th- I'm going to say. So A is lower in key than D? For, yeah, for a male. That would be, what is it? A, B, C. There you go. Four, four whole steps higher. Yeah. Nice. And I start I low because when I get to the big one, I'm like, oh, the land of free. I can hit that. But if I start, where, where do you start? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right then if I did that, mm-hmm. I couldn't do I would be screwed. Dude, who was that guy that just totally blew it years ago? Was that a basketball game? Oh, man. It was good. 
It was so bad. Like he hit it way too high and like. Oh, dude, that's the that is the scariest part. Can you making sure that you don't start too high? I did at the uh, the Nashville Sounds. I uh, I started up uh, in E, which is a whole step higher, and I got nervous. I got about three quarters of the way through. I was like, dude, this is gonna be high. Yeah, but I I nailed it. You <laughs> nailed like, it. Yes, because <laughs> I don't know. I normally that's my safe zone. Key of D, you know, that's where I'm. I know that I can hit all my vocal licks up high and not stress about it. Because people don't realize, like, once you start that song, especially the anthem, you're thinking. Like for me, that was like one of the songs I'm thinking just in my sure head. You don't mess up the words. Yeah, that's the worst video to ever get out. Uh, I know <laughs> other songs I just sing, but when it came to anthem, you're thinking, "Did I start right?" Is it, and you're I don't know. Like, is that what it was like for you? So when when you start out too high, were you like, "Oh crap"? Oh yeah, it's been. <laughs> I, I, I was a little nervous about it, but like I said, it, it was a, it was funny. There's a video out there somewhere. I think it's on Instagram, and uh, my kiddos were up in the up in the box watching and they was like screaming daddy daddy there's daddy <laughs> i'm like oh that's awesome and then if you would have messed up they would have been no not no, him. that's not my daddy that's not my dad that's someone else um so you just had another kid congratulations a I baby did. girl tell Absolutely. everybody about her man i'm so pumped about it it's uh having a new little uh, baby girl around which is the last it's number five for me i don't believe you Oh, it is. I, um, the wifey's already called the doctor for me. Really? No, so this is number five? Oh, yeah. This is number five. Um, so I have Jackson, who's eight, um, from a previous relationship. And then we have uh, Dakota. She's five. Uh, <laughs> remember names. Graydon, <laughs> who's three. Boston, who's one. And then uh, Blakely. We got Blakely K. Look at you. That's a new one. I didn't know you were a Mormon. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, congratulations. So Thanks, five. Yeah, it's going to be a household. Daddy's got to make some money soon. Dude, right? So now your house is seven. Yes, house of seven. That's rad, dude. Which is crazy because that means that there's no visitors can ride with us anymore in the car. Oh my God. See, it's those like, are little things that you don't think about. Right? Like unless I, unless I go get a 15-passenger van or a big Sprinter or something like that, which Mercedes, I'm uh, looking for a sponsorship. <laughs> there you go. You don't strike me as like a minivan guy, though. But you can no. do the Mercedes like van. Yeah, you know, the, the Sprinter. We, oh, could, we could pull that so off. So smooth. That'd be nice. So, dude, the- I'm so pumped. Like, I was telling, you know, introing you, I saw you on The Voice as a finalist. I was there with another couple. Terry and I were there with another couple, the Weavers. Uh, it was just such an awesome night and we had so much fun that night man and i you know as you just you nailed it that song that they had for you was awesome and i'm like i like that guy like i was a fan of yours and then fast forward i don't know what it was like a couple years later i was doing some press thing out here in tennessee and i saw you at the news station yeah sure enough and you know it's one of those things where we're like I really like the guy. I want to. I'm gonna introduce him, and I just kind of read people. Like I'll go up and shake their hands if I want to meet them, and it just from there I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna ask this guy. Like, dude, I'd like to freaking kick it with you one day. Like, I want to be this guy's friend, and you were just open. And we, absolutely, we were friends after that. And I, re- I, was, I remember that distinctly too, man. I was like, dude, this guy, this guy's cool. <laughs> That's what I love thinking. I was like, we'll see if he actually ever calls, but well, you know, he's a cool cat. <laughs> and I then did sure call. enough, you did. And see you, and when you call someone. <laughs> You got to bring something to the table. And that's, I always like to try to add value to build relationships first because someone like Craig Wayne Boyd, you know, you're, you're fresh off the voice season seven. Like everybody wants something from him. Right. I like to come in different. This is a tip for people. Bring something to the table first. So when I reached out to him, I said, Hey, I have a cool opportunity for you. 
I'm on the show, Home and Family. I want to do a segment where I come to Nashville and I want to like highlight you. Are you doing any shows? He's like, uh, yeah, dude, I'm at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> and I'm like, really? So we did, um, we filmed a show, not, or not a show, a segment. And like Craig Wimboyd got me backstage, me and Terry, Grand Ole Opry. It was phenomenal. He obviously nailed it. And then that went back on Home and Family. And then you actually made a couple guest appearances on yeah, there, Yeah, we got to go out and and uh, do, I, I don't know, I think I've been on there like four or five times now, thanks to you. I know, dude, they it love them. It was so fun. They love them. Well, you're, I mean, you get see a guy like you up easy. Like, you know how to cook, you're smart, you have a hard work ethic, and you're an unbelievable musician. And well, You're very kind, man. You're, really. you're a good man. And then I think the pinnacle for me, for our relationship, Craig Wayne Boyd started a new band, Texas Hill, which he'll talk about right now. But when we had our fundraiser for cystic fibrosis for our two uh, kids in mm -hmm. 2019, it was our first event without hesitation. Craig's like, bring me in. I'll do it. And they freaking killed it. Yeah, it that was, was our very event. first performance in front of people other than in our living room Dude, so at that cool. point. And that was, uh, that was the uh, debut of Texas Hill was at that event. It was. And, I mean, everyone in the room that night became huge, huge fans. A real close friend of ours and a big supporter, her name is Judy Burlingham. She loves you. <laughs> and awesome, she man. is a connected lady. Like, she's the type of lady. She makes stuff happen. So keep her uh, close. There we go. Because she really, really loves you guys. And that night, Eli, our goal was $30,000. After everyone was in the room, my kids knocked out of the park. My wife knocked out of the park in Texas Hill. Craig Wayne Boyd knocked out of the park. We ended up raising $147,000. kidding me? That was, oh, a, it was great. Dude. It was an amazing night. It was great. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I never said this to you before, and this is true, because it was my first fundraiser that I've ever put on. And I thought it was a really cool move, and I'm going to pay you back, but he never charged me. No, man. And he did it for free. But... And when I was crushing all the numbers, I'm like, well, because it's not my money. It goes to the organization. I'm like, well, we should have paid him something, and I messed up there. So I'm sorry. No, man. That's what but I told you. That was what it was for. I know, but I love you. But you know, cystic fibrosis is something that's close to my heart also. We have those, we have those that common connection. Which tell me crazy. about that. Um, incidentally, when I first moved to Nashville, um, I hooked in with a guy named Levi Sims and another one, Cole Lee, and, and started a vocal group back then. And then I, you know, from that, and then I did a solo career, and now I'm back to doing a vocal group again, which was something that I always loved. But um, I didn't know, and none of us knew that Levi had um, cystic fibrosis, and um, we had uh, were in the studio recording an album, and he backed out. I mean, literally, we were on the precipice of having a brand new record deal and everything, and he was like, "I'm out," and didn't understand it, couldn't figure it out. But we knew that he was always coughing and having, you know, issues breathing, but his his voice was like angelic. And, um, he finally told us that he had cystic fibrosis and it was about six months later that I had to be a pallbearer. And it was, uh, so that was something that that was like literally losing my brother. So it was, uh, and that was before, you know, they had all the treatments and things that are out now. So that's why I wanted to be a part of that. Dude, I appreciate it. So, I mean, you don't mean to get all down and stuff, but no, you a, really did a lot for us a lot. What? So like, what was, cause I want to know, I'm always curious. I always ask some of the questions like, so like, what was that like? He says, I'm out. Like, is there like that big, like, do you go see him in the hospital? And he's like, this is why, or does he just tell you or email you? Like, how did he break um, the news that he had CF? It was, he had got put in the hospital. Literally. That's you're right. Um, he got put in the hospital. Um, I was so angry. I didn't know 
what was going on and why I was like, man, you're ruining my life. Right. You know, we're, we're supposed to be brothers. We're in this together. And now you're, you're just leaving us and not telling, not giving me a reason why. And I didn't understand it. And then Damn. when I get called, I got called that he was in the hospital and he was like, yeah, man, this is what's going on. But luckily enough, um, in fact, that album, I went ahead and put out an album during that time mm -hmm. from transitioning from Southland into tech, to Craig Wayne Boyd. I added my middle name at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I had him come in and he sang, uh, I think it was about a month before he passed. He sang on Some Bridges Don't Burn, which is the whole, and he played all the lead guitar parts on it and everything. It was a, a month before he passed away. Yeah. Which it was is incredible. It was hard. It was hardcore. Must, I was going to say, he must have been feeling like crap. Yeah. He was having a hard time breathing, but man, he got, he got the notes out. It was, God bless him. Uh, but yeah, if you ever listen to uh, the, I ain't no quitter album that I put out, that's uh, Levi singing on some bridges don't burn. Well, there you go. I'm definitely going to listen to that, <laughs> and I'm sure people listening will too. So take me back to the beginning because I came into your life after you won The Voice. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know your backstory. Like people always think like, oh, he won The Voice and that, you know, and then it goes from there. It's like, no, dude, you're, you're walking into someone's life at a chapter in their life. You don't know the whole freaking story because I, I'm now I know you, you're one of the hardest working guys that I know. And one thing that I admire about you that I try to be like is you, you never know what this is going to turn into next. Like everything is an opportunity. Absolutely. Every win, every loss is just a step to the next thing. And you never really like arrive. Even when we win and lose, I came into your life after a huge victory, but take us back before the voice, your life. Like, did you always know you're going to be a musician and like all of that? Um, for me, I started playing music at the ripe old age of four. I've been playing and singing since then. My dad put a mandolin in my hands. He pulled like four of the strings off. And uh, that's where I started at. Um, and, you know, growing up, music was just just part of my life, period. Um, in fact, my first job I ever had was contract labor at a guitar store. Um, going in after school or getting out work release, you know, you know they I actually did work though. <laughs> I got work release at, at 14 years old, man. And uh, would go in and uh, tune guitars um, and like change strings and stuff like that at the music store, paying me contract labor under the table. Here, here you go, man. So you're but not really was, there for the money. You're there for the passion. I was there because I, I mean, I was like, dude, I get to make money doing something fun. This is cool. Um, but so that was always, you know, part of my life. And I always, always thought that that was something that I wanted to do. But incidentally, that, Working at that store, there was a gentleman there named uh, Bob Spear, and he's just a super intelligent guy. And I worked for him for about three or four years through high school. Um, and he he would always tell me, he was like, Craig, life is made up of all these tidbits that happen. And whatever, you know, you can take those, you can use them as stumbling blocks, or you can use them as stepping stones. And that's something that, because I would go in, we'd have coffee together, you know, all the good stuff. And <clears throat> those are things that always stuck in my brain. That's awesome. And uh, moving forward, I didn't know, you know, I ran away from country music and, and even from the church music. I had a, an issue that had happened at the church and kind of stepped away from that and chased what? after the chased after the uh, rock music stuff. And uh, that's kind of where I, you know, was like, all right. So what you, I want to rebel in, against that. I was going to say you were in the church. You love the Lord, uh -huh. but you also love rock music. And were you in a place where it's like. Well, you can't do rock music, or you're not going to go to heaven. And um, grow, be growing in up in growing up in in that kind of church, yes. Um, so it was uh, very much saying that if you put yourself up in front of people, then you're putting yourself up as an idol, 
Um, and that's not, not Christ-like. And so it was something that I, even to the, to this day have to deal with, you know, um, and it's funny how that journey has, um, actually I progressed a lot after the voice, um, from that, but I'll get to that part for you. Um, no, that's a fascinating, like, what do you think Eli? Cause I mean, you and I talk about this a lot. Like, how do you, cause we love music. I love making people laugh. He's an, Craig's an unbelievable performance, uh, performer. And like, is that making yourself an idol when you're performing for you? Cause people are cheering for you. Like when he's playing a, a rock song, they're not praising God. Right. Yeah. What's yeah. your view on that? Man, I don't think it's lifting yourself up as an idol. I mean, I think music is, is healing in so many ways for so many people. So if you're not, you know, out there doing shows and stuff, how are people going to see yeah, you? That's one of the things that, and, you know, I had to come to grips with and, and, and talking through talking with a lot of different ministers and things. Um, they were like, Jesus had followers, you know, and we're supposed to be Christ-like. If we're not putting that example out there for people to, you know, to draw people into whatever it is that, you know, I, I've always tried to keep all the music that I did at least have a positive message to it um, or have some kind of redemption quality to the at the end of the story or whatever it was that I was singing. Right. Um, so with that being in mind, I was like, okay, then maybe this is okay to do. I no, that's a, this is a fascinating subject. I've never really thought about it this way, and this is just coming to me. Like, first of all, I know, I know how much you love the Lord. I love the Lord, and Eli loves the Lord. The Bible says He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you say you start loving music at four. That didn't come from the world. Like that came from God. Like that desire came from God. And I believe He'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you're faithful to Him in the desires that He gives you, He'll just keep elevating you. And if it, when it becomes about you then that's where I think it gets, you know, a little, you know, off track. But if you're using that to parlay that into, yeah, but I'm also a man of God, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's, you know, a-okay. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, like the people who say like, oh, you're making yourself an idol. It's like, those are the same people who <laughs> make certain people that they like idols. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think it could be that way in, in, in so many ways, um, even to putting people up um, that are ministers and putting them, putting you know, the, we're almost basically worshiping a minister versus worshiping God. And that was something that, uh, again, that was stuff that I had to deal with. And, and I know it sounds crazy dealing with that at 17, 18 years old, but I was. Um, and so that's what kind of steered me away to, to walk away from the church because I, I knew I would have the long conversations with my mom, who is a beautiful soul and prayer warrior. And one of them, I mean, if I ever need anything, I'm like, I know my mom is praying for me, you know? So um, she didn't judge you. Um, she was, she was upset at me a little bit, but I told her, I said, mom, I, my part where I'm having the issue is that I don't feel like I was called to preach to the choir. I feel like I was called to give a message to the world, not just the church. Um, and so that was, you know, for me to to get all that of my out of my brain, I had to step away for a minute. Um, I turned in my keys at the church and was like, "I'm I'm done." Um, and through that, right there, I I had gotten married and I ended up going through a bad divorce. It's like, what are you going to do, Craig? Right. You know. And so I, from the rock music that I was doing, I found myself living a country song and growing up with a dad that played country music. My mom was the gospel lady. Um, I was like, all right. 
I think it's time to go to Nashville. I want to go there. I want to learn how to, to write songs, write these songs that I love. Yeah. Um, and what better way than to go to the School of Hard Knocks in Nashville, Tennessee? What year was this? Uh, that would have been 2004 That's for me. awesome. So this is, you know, what is this? That's 10, yeah, 10 years before The Voice that we're at at this point. That you're just grinding, yeah. writing music, playing shows. And just going back to real quick, you know, before we move on from there, I think there's a huge difference between walking away from the church and walking away from God. Exactly. You know there, I mean? And that, that was the big deal. Um, I, I never you know, questioned who God was, but I questioned um, the uh, the organization and the things that around it, which is it's funny that you when you look at it from a younger person's eyes, which I was at that point um, and the view that I see it from now as being, you know, know, (laughs) older, (laughs) right. (laughs) I, uh, it's, it's crazy to see the the difference in perspective. And I, I, I found that when I was looking at it, it was like, man, the people in the church are just so judgmental and they're, they're like being very aggressive and, and all of that stuff. And then I realized because of growing up in church, that's what I thought church was all about. Right. And then I get into the real world and I realize it's the same thing, except out here, I have no hope. Here I do. Let's go. Let me ask you this, too, because at that time you were young, and, you know, your parents, they love you more than anything. Mm-hmm. They were just worried about you, and that was the tradition and belief that they were brought up in. Mm-hmm. And you didn't talk too much about it. You know, maybe your mom was a little disappointed, but what's something, and I'm thinking of the moms who are listening right now or the dads, that maybe they feel like their kids are walking away from the way they are brought up or God or the church, whatever, what could they say? Like, what would you have said to you that could have been the biggest encouragement at the time that maybe someone either did or didn't say to you that kept you close to God, even though you'd walked away from the church? That that God still loves me no matter what. Um, that it wasn't about the actions. It wasn't about the um, the works, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I used the quotes correctly that time. And it's like, sometimes you can get off on the quotes, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, it's not just the actions. Um, but it's, it's where the heart's at and, and the meaning behind that. And I think if, if I had, if I had known more of that, that God wasn't just pushing me away or I didn't have a heart after God or something of the sort, which was what I had been told. Um, Cause no one knows my heart other than me right. and God, you know, right. that's the two people that do. And if I had understood that, I think a little bit more, maybe those situations wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken them the way that I did, but I'm glad that I did at this point. Right. You made I learned it. a lot. Yeah. So I made, I made it to the other side. Right. So like, what was that defining moment for you? Like spiritually, like did someone come across your path? Did you meet someone? Did someone give you a word of encouragement? Did you have like a God miracle moment? Like what happened? Um, incidentally, it, it took me, um, the ups and downs, uh, after moving to Nashville, it's like, I, I moved there, moved here to, to Nashville, not knowing anyone. Um, I knew actually, I, I take that back. I knew of a person here who his mom had seen me in Dallas, um, uh, playing for a 4th of July event. And said, man, you need to meet my son. Like, well, who's your son? It was His name was David Lee. Um, and he had, at that time, I looked him up, and he had written Letters from Home, which was blowing up on the radio, 19-something. Uh, he had written just a bunch of really cool songs. And I was like, man, I, I, this is that's what I want to go do. And um, he was very influential right off the bat for me. So within seven months of moving to Nashville, not knowing anyone, I had signed a publishing deal as a songwriter 
a staff writer for EMI Publishing, which at the time was the biggest publishing company in town. They were the biggest dogs. And I signed writing for them for the next three years. And so to me, that was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe he is blessing me with this, but you know, I still want to, was like, I'm still working through all of that stuff in my head. The defining moment for me come even after all of that stuff. Once I was on the voice, um, I was like, man, I just, I've just went from the bottom yet again. And all of a sudden, all this stuff, when I focus on doing the music and, and pushing myself forward that direction, that's when I started becoming blessed. And the light bulb come above my head at that point. I was like, all right, I get it. You are the one that's that's helping me. And, and it's not just my hard work that's making this happen. It is someone steering me in that direction. And that's when I chose to sing the Oregon Cross on the TV show. Oh, yeah. That's a... So when I that saw... That was you, the defining moment for me. So as a... And dude, this is so crazy. I didn't know this. And I've known you now for like <laughs> five or seven years. Like... That's what got me as your fan. That's crazy. When you sang that, because like I'm you know, like I love the Lord. I was grow, I grew up in the church, and I I love all types of music. Like you visit the Matt Rogers in '96, like I'm pumping Tupac and Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Like you know you enter, you know now things are different, but like I I love Southern rock. I love gospel. Like I mean, you throw on oh, some yeah. like Jimmy Swaggart. Oh, like I love it. I love it all. But when you sang Old Royal Cross, I'm like, dude, that's my guy. I hope that guy wins. So that's cool to see like the the God story behind it. So you weren't going to do that. And then you said that's like you made the decision. I'm going to sing that song on The Voice. Yeah, because I mean, it wasn't so, again, it was running through that whole self-reflection time that that the the show allows you to go through. Or I guess you shouldn't say they allow you to. If you take the opportunity, you can do that, you know. And that was what I, for me, was a cleansing because I was, I felt very jaded walking into the place originally. But I was like, if you're going to go do this, you got to throw a hundred percent behind it, you know, and allow myself to be vulnerable and and let out some of the the pain and stuff that I've been hiding and or just writing about versus getting it out. Um, but through that whole process is what really got me um, moving forward and how those thoughts came into my brain. It was like, all right, it's time to give, you know, I'm going to step out and hope that people understand where I'm coming from with this. That's so rad. And were your parents alive at the time? Are they still alive? Oh yes. Or? Oh yeah. Both. I got both parents. Kicking, so what's their reaction? Cause now it's kind of like our prodigal son has returned home. He's singing for <laughs> Jesus again. Like, did you oh, get a good yeah, response my, from your parents? My mom, my mom of course was bawling uh, when I told her that I was going to do that. I was like, mom, they're even letting me have timpani players on this one. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> I was like, I was so excited to, to get to put together the whole, uh, the whole thing, which is funny. Cause I, I still have the drawings of the, of the, uh, the backdrop that we had for that. Um, the whole staging and everything. Hi hat. Um, who is she's, she does everything from JLo to whomever the big guys. Um, I brought her the drawing of what I wanted for the show. Her um, name is hi hat. Yes. She's, one of the most amazing choreographers and, really? and stage set designers. Wow. But I brought her the set that I wanted um, drawn out. And two days later I walk in and there's the set on. You, I was like, like blown oh away. God. I was like, I, did, I was submitted it thinking maybe they would do something of the sort, but they sure did. That was really cool for me. That's so cool. To have man. the whole moment set up. Eli loves these conversations. <laughs> Eli loves when we have musicians. On oh the show. yeah, man. I mean, that's my background. So this is your jam. Awesome. Right I get here, all man. excited. 
So that, and that really dis, you know, distinguish you different than anyone else. Would you say after that you became the front runner? Or do you feel like you came in? Take me back. Okay. The voice process, you know, because mm-hmm. we kind of just jumped right into your, you know, what I think was one of your most stellar performances, the old rugged mm-hmm. cross on the voice. Um, take us through the process. How did you find out about the voice and submit and go on and all that? Um, Incidentally, I, I was at one of those down points in my life. A uh, roller coaster was bottoming out for me. Um, I had uh, had a record deal um, and had a single on the radio. Uh, we were sitting at like number 30, I think, at that point. And um, I pulled back into town from like leg four for radio tour, which if you don't know what radio tour is, I mean, that's like going out and visiting four or five stations a day. And I was in a rental car with two handlers and we were just hitting station after station going out, basically promoting myself, you know, trying to get, uh, trying to get those shows, you know, going and trying to get the song added to radio, all that good stuff. And this is, I think again, like third or fourth month in fourth radio tour. Man. And I pull into town and I found out they didn't want to tell me when I was on the road, but all the funding had been pulled, um, for that, that subsidiary because? of the label. Um, there was a president change uh, on the top end and the funding wasn't there. So all of a sudden I had lost everything that I had been working on at that point. And then, uh, I was in a a relationship at that point and, um, that went South. And after your first marriage, the, yes, this was after the first marriage. (laughs) This is the second, the second long-term relationship. And it was a relationship that I'd had most of the time that I had lived in Nashville. Um, but that was, that went South. So I ended up sleeping on a friend's sofa for about the first, uh, well, the, a month leading up to the voice. I, that's where I was at. So when you're on the I, sofa, broken relationship, you know, sounds like number two. Yeah. You're I got an, I got an email, player. um, in my inbox and it says, Hey, are you interested in being on the voice? And I really thought it was a joke because it was, from who? it was from a casting company. Um, who ended up being Michelle McNulty um, doing the casting on that. And I I distinctly remember uh, I simply typed back in the message because I was like, okay, do I delete this? I was like, no, this is somebody playing a prank because I was just that down. And I said, this is a joke, right? Question mark. Craig Wayne Boyd. That was it. <laughs> and, about, and about 45 minutes later, I got an email. I was like, no, this isn't a joke. And we are going to be in town in the next two weeks. And we would love to have you come out and audition. I was like, so you're going to, you're telling me that I can find five bucks to put in my tank and I can drive over and do an audition. And sure enough. And that's what got me started on it. So you were broke, broke. Yeah. I was, uh, at that time was, uh, a guy named, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Denny, Mike Denny. He was, uh, had me helping him frame houses at that point. Oh my God. It's like, I didn't have enough money to go out and even play shows. I couldn't go on the road because I didn't have the money to even pay for the fuel to get there so it was it was like that down did you want to give up did you say i I made a mistake all the stuff that we had just talked about the the god stuff all this stuff you're wrestling is it like god has cursed me yeah that's that's really what i felt like and uh, i had the conversation with uh, another friend who was playing drums with me at the time he was playing the wild horse saloon and things like that when that stuff that was here in town um uh, his name is johannes career and we had the conversation after one night of uh, playing a show. And I was like, dude, I'm done. I really think maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And he had been going through stuff himself. He was like, Craig, no. 
I'm telling you, this is what you're meant to do. And we're just sitting there, two grown men bawling our eyes out in in a pickup truck. <laughs> it was a beat up Ford pickup truck, which I think a uh, guy from Luke, Luke Bryan's uh, farm bought my truck. Are you serious? <laughs> Made me sign the dash. <laughs> after, that was after the voice stuff. But um, yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty intense. And that encouragement from him and then getting the email about the voice that was kind of like, all right, so I'm just going to refocus and see what I can do this route. I'm going to give this thing a shot. So yeah. you show up and did you know after your audition, you nailed <clears throat> it? Did they tell you right away? Like I felt really it? good. I just didn't know what they were looking for, you know? And so I was like, I'm just going to go in there and be authentically me. What'd you sing? Um, I sang a song, uh, incidentally one that, uh, a group called blind faith, um, sang. it was written by, uh, Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was Eric Clapton and Bob Marley wrote that. And it was like, I have finally found a way to live like I've never found before. And I know I don't have much to give, but soon I'll open up that door. Everybody knows the secrets. <laughs> Everybody knows the score. And I have finally found a way to live. It's in the presence of the Lord. Let's go. And that and was then, like, so I what did do they one. like? Do they give you the react? Because these are just the producers. It's not judges, obviously, or nothing, right? Yeah, or no, it casting, was, no, not this, producers. This was uh, this was casting, and they had I, they sneak they, you think it's just casting, but there was actually one of the producers that was in the room. Nice. Um, you never know. Yeah, you never they know. Knew. They can tell you they're whoever they are. But, They're always performing. Um, and so, I, like, they told me to be prepped for like one song acapella and one song with the accompaniments, you know, somebody accompanying me there. However mm-hmm. you say that word. Um, well, how do you say it, Eli? Yeah. <laughs> See, it's hard. Accompanist? Accompaniment. I don't know. Accompaniment? Yeah, Accompanist? Yeah. We'll edit all that out. No, yeah, right. <laughs> so then did someone accompany you? To yes. Um, I had been playing, you know, doing jam sessions around town and, and just trying to find different things. And I'd met up with a guy named Peter Keys, who incidentally at the time he had been playing for George Clinton. And then he had just, he had hooked in with Leonard Skinner. Wow. And so I walk in with this guy that's just super Peter rock Keys? star, Peter did, Keys. Did he play the piano? Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Peter Keys. I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Keys went in with me for my audition, and they were like, okay, you're awesome, but who the heck is this this piano player over here? I was like, he's in the band Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was like anything I could find a leg up, so right? So they tell you right off the bat, like, hey, we like you. You're going to the next round, or do you wait? Um, you're, supposed to, you, you're supposed to wait. Okay. Um, they uh, they called me in about an hour later. Like so, oh. they didn't leave me hanging long, they which say? was great. They said they wanted me to come. You know that I was going to go out to L.A. and do it all again. Were you like, and, yes, let's go? Like my dream is back. Oh yeah. Or you it still was, you don't want to get too attached. I didn't want to get too too excited yet because again I was still going through the jaded part. Um, yep. But that's when I was like it, working through all of that is where I was like, okay, you got to let go of all of the stuff that's happened to you in the past, everything, all the disappointments and things and start fresh and be that, you know, wide eyed kid that you used to be walking in. Um, and I think that's what helps me get through the process and, and be able to really, really share my heart once it got to the, to the main part of the show. And then you're there. <laughs> they bring you out. You're standing in that dark, dark stage. All those red chairs have their back to you, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? 
Um, I go out there and I, I, you know, unbeknownst to most of the people watching the show, that thing when the chairs turn, no, that doesn't happen. So not no, not not live, it doesn't. So you just you're like looking around. I was like, I'm not even going to look at the chairs. And so I, I immediately, if you watch the performance, I walk out and I immediately go to the edge of the stage and start singing to the crowd because there's people. I was like, I'm just going to go sing to them. And I go running back across the stage and I look over this side and I'm singing over there. And then I come back and there's Blake staring at me. I was like, dude, they done turned around. What the, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Pharrell turns around and I got, I started getting excited. I, I think I jumped up in the air at that point. I was and you just got like a two chair turn. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it Pharrell was, uh, and Blake. Yeah. Who didn't turn for you? Um, Adam and who? It was Adam and Gwen. Adam it and was Gwen. Gwen Stefani's first season. Ah, what do they know? Hey, Rookie you know. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie mistake. So you get a two chair turn. You obviously choose. I chose Blake. Blake. And then um, from there, um, you go through the, the rest of the process, and Blake let me go on the battles. And then Gwen stole me. Um, Rookie mistake redeemed. (laughs) (laughs) And it was crazy because I I had hair about like it is right now, I guess. Um, And her and Taylor Swift um, both were like, you know what? You have a phenomenal voice. We'd love to cut your hair a little bit. (gasps) And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Really? I'm going through Is everything. Like Samson cutting his locks. Yeah, and I was. Shouldn't? I was a little worried about that, you know. But <laughs> you know, we chopped it up a good, you know, six eight inches off of the hair. I was like, you know what, hair grows. What doesn't change is my heart. And if I get, if me cutting my hair allows me to share my heart to people, then sure, why not, dude? Hair grows. Are you sure? <laughs> I, can someone give me that right. tip and just spray over my head that hair grows. There we go. Right. So you end up, uh, you know, you end up killing it. I mean, I just realized this first one. You you were Gwen's first victory. Yeah. Are you her only? No, victory no, no. She won no. Sense? Actually, what happened after that is then she uh, let me go in the next one. Um, against the reggae girl, which I totally understood. And the girl was just phenomenal. Right. Um, and Blake stole me back. Really? He was like, oops, I should have kept you. And then I went on to win with him. Okay, this is fascinating, bro, because he's at a, Craig Wayne's Boyd's at his low point, broke, just gets a random email, goes and tries out, then he gets on the voice, then he gets cut. Then he gets picked up. Then he gets cut again. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by the original guy who freaking cut him in the first place. It's like, oh, it's a, one of the biggest emotional journeys I think I've ever been on. Um, I mean, it was. It, I say that, but it was very reflective of what had went on in my life previously to that, with you know going through a bad divorce, moving to Nashville, shooting way up, and then have a, getting the record deals and touring everywhere, and then all of a sudden, boom, dropped down to nothing again. Let me ask and then, you. That- get that little boost and then you're on the show and like from week to week, then you get dropped. You think you're going home and then you're back again. And it's like you had for me, that's all of those things. When I had mentioned it earlier, that's, those are all those little tidbits that I could have used as a stumbling block at any point and said, you know what? I'm done. I quit. So I can tell this about you, especially now with all the crap you've been through and all the defeats that you've felt. I presume that now in life, you definitely don't get too low on the lows, right? Absolutely. You, you've not. felt it to the mass capacity in some senses. Is it hard for you to get super excited or hopeful when you win? Or do you still get 
Oh, I still get beside myself for every every little one of them. Uh, Good. Every, okay, so you do every every single one of those. The the part that I've probably learned the most is to not allow myself to get too down because knowing that someone is watching out for me, mm-hmm. um, and he's not going to let me, you know, put more on me than I can bear. And obviously, there's many, you know, there's much worse that could come at any moment, you know, in my life. But I know that I can survive it because I have that strength. I can tell by talking to you now, you've you've settled the religious debate on whether God's for you or against you now, right? Absolutely. And he's um, definitely for you. Even uh, when things aren't going your way, right. feeling like they're for you. How do you know that? How do you know God's for you when things aren't going your way? Your dream's not working out. Your work isn't being rewarded. I, I mean, I will I will bring in, and this is something I haven't even told people. Um, so I'm sharing something that's new. Because, you know, I think all of us have been through this this crazy time called COVID that's been going on. And I went from, uh, I think it was like, what, last March that I had a beautiful year set up show-wise. We were going to have the announcement of the new band. We'd already booked a ton of shows. Everything I was going to be, by this point, I was going to be doing really well. All I mean, we had everything was lined up to happen and then COVID hit and devastated every single show canceled. Um, and that was for me, well, between three guys, it was over a million dollars worth of money that we were supposed to be getting oh, in, no. you know, it was somewhere close to that, that range. And it's like, dude, all of a sudden nothing. And that was a very trying time, but I would, you know, go on. I was like, how, how am I going to survive this? I'm my savings is dwindling very quickly what savings i did have um and i was relying on all of these shows and, sure. and the announcement of this group and, and all that to help build all of that but it was thankful that all the fans that were out there that come in and like unbeknownst to them i mean there was points where um i mean i would go online and to play a show and the amount of money that i needed to pay all my rent and and bills and everything else would come in on that 45 minutes that I would share my heart on Facebook. Um, and it was just mind blowing. So you were doing online shows and people were donating to you. Yeah. I would just put, put up Venmo and and a PayPal and, and fans would donate. And it was, it happened two months in a row. I'm talking about like to the point of like electric bill, not paid for a couple of months at that point. And I was like, all right, we're going to, we're fixing to go dark in this house. And all of a sudden, I mean, more than enough money would come in on one show um, online. That would the pay. difference this would time just, would clear everything. Is a single Craig Wayne Boyd's not sleeping on his friend's couch. Yeah, now, a that's married the Craig Wayne Boyd with four kids and one on the way. Yeah, that's a big has difference. Has to keep the lights on for his family. Yeah, and this wasn't very long ago. It was less no, than a year is, ago. Yeah, we're talking about you know, in the past year, and the the beauty of it is that I my my wife. I think now she was like, I don't know how she's like, ever since you've, I've been with you from the get goes. She's like, you could have crap thrown at you literally. And you're going to come out smelling like a rose. I was like, cause somebody's watching out for me. And I truly believe that, you know, have you wrote a song yet. Smelling like a rose. Yeah, I haven't. There it is. <laughs> hey, things happen. On but ser- but seriously, you. man, I'm telling you that, um, that's what has strengthened my belief in the higher power, you know, in God, because there's no way that that's, that those are accidents that those things happen, you know? 
down. I was going to say, tell me about your wife, Taylor freaking rocks. She's yes, she one does. of the nicest people I've ever met. We really got to spend time with her at our event uh, two years ago when you guys came. And my wife, Terry, was just like, I really, really love her. Like, she is a good person. When did you meet her? And how, I mean, you guys are killing it now. You guys got four kids together, you know, an extra one from a previous relationship. You just had a new baby girl. Yeah. Where did you and Taylor meet? Because you got a winning relationship. Um, You know, it was it was really crazy. I uh, had went through, a, won the TV show, and then they'd fly you overnight to to New York and went there and did press. And then they wanted me to come back the next day. So um, I got back up the next morning, did, uh, I think, Good, Good Morning America. And then uh, we get a call and said, Ellen wants you in L.A. at 4 this afternoon. And at that point, I think I was the only one that from the voice had, that had done Ellen and she requested me to be out there. I was like, Holy crap. So we got to do this show, get to the airport as quickly as possible. Cause we got to be back in LA, the other side of the country at four in the afternoon. Uh, and so luckily no, we barely made it, but we did make it. Um, and, uh, I got a call right after that from a friend of mine, a songwriter here in town. Um, he was in LA. He's like, dude, I got this call again. I was a single man. Right. Um, he's like, I got this, I got a, a Christmas party that's uh, for one of the modeling agencies in town. And it's like the biggest one. And you got to go. He's like, it's, it's like a who's who of all these. It's a modeling models. agency yeah. and you're it's a like, single star on yeah, the biggest show like, on television. You got to go. <laughs> I'm like, why? Of course I'm going. <laughs> I'm still on the adrenaline. Don't from- twist my arm. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> so uh, we get there and uh, it's funny. He had uh, one of the guys that was with us had just had an incident I'll tell off on him blue Foley was uh, one of the guys with me and uh, he had just had an incident where he jumped in it was they were all partying and he went to jump in a pool and hit his tooth knocked his front tooth out and so he was missing a ouch I was he was missing a front tooth and mind you this all this group of uh, straight up we looked like hillbillies I mean other than me I was dressed you know to the hilt but um, all these country dudes walk in the red carpet at a modeling agency party, uh, Christmas party. <laughs> it was quite the quite the sight. But we get we're like halfway down the red carpets and all that good stuff. And I look down at the end, and I this bright shining, uh, oh. just like oh, exactly. It's like there's my angel. I turned to my buddy and I was joking with, about it. I was like, that's the one I'm marrying. <laughs> and said that I did. And once I met her that night, uh, we were we were pretty much inseparable after that. Um, she was, uh, something in common I, that year I went to, uh, the Rose bowl. Yes. Um, and that was for new year's day, right? I believe new year's Eve, new year's day, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which was my birthday. Um, yeah, it was new year's day because, uh, I invited her. That was our first date. <laughs> it was like, I was sitting in the bar. That's high, a man. baller move, <laughs> right. bro. I'm first like, date. Hey, I'm uh, performing at the Rose bowl. Yeah, Whatever you're doing. Right. Yeah. Like, come with me. And, uh, Another uh, connection was that the whole day we hung out with Warren Moon. He was he was on the golf Warren cart. Warren Moon? Yes. He was on the golf cart with us the whole day. One of my favorite football player. Hanging out, time. man. He's a Washington Husky like yeah. me. <laughs> sure enough. Uh, so, yeah, that was, I set the bar way too high. I think I was like, so, but you could <laughs> I was tell, like, like, I was, like, this is the woman I'm going to marry. And she was feeling you from the get go. Oh, right? yeah. We had had that later that night. We were having the conversation. I was like, what are you doing for the holidays? She's like, I'm going to be in a deer stand. Duh. I was like, <gasps> 
I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I was like, you're this stunning, beautiful, model-esque woman, and you're like telling me that you're going to be in a deer stand over the holidays. So where yes. is, she, is she from Nashville? Um, no, she was born and raised in L.A., but all of her family lives in Oklahoma. So she is a country girl. Oh, yeah. So she was a, she spent all of her time, you know, in the the summers and stuff down in Oklahoma. How many times? So the song that you sang when you won was My Baby's Got a Smile on Her Face. How many mm-hmm. times did you look at Taylor and be like, my baby <laughs> oh you know the cheese came out for that one come on <laughs> dude i love it man during that so, time yeah during that time was when i i found out that that song debuted at number one um which is at this point been the only number one but it, it that record tied with uh garth brooks at the at that time he was what, the only one what song did he have um his was more than a memory so it wasn't till 2007 and that chart was started in 1959 I don't even have that song in my memory, so it must have been that good. <laughs> uh, it was one. Uh, incidentally, I think, yeah, it was Jared Neiman wrote that one. It was in 2007. And I think since then, Morgan Wallen just uh, tied the record also. So it's us three. Wow. That it, uh. <laughs> this is his song, bro. <laughs> He's pulling it up on the old right. cell phone. Dude, man. this song was the jam. That's what he made. Here we go. <laughs> it's so good dude uh, um so they can still download that explain this um uh leather jacket that you're rocking there with the red and black you look oh nice. yeah man that's very superhero-esque isn't it it is Do you I, still I wanted, have that i wanted that jacket that was you one. look like a country well, de- look- a deadpool right there with a long <laughs> long it's a little hair. a little bit thorish in that picture i think but <laughs> you are the man so okay oh, so man. after so then did how long after you met her and took her to the rose bowl did you get married um it was about a year after that but i asked her within i think five months how long did it take you to say i love you and her back i did that first night <laughs> you no but like that's you no know, it was a joke but i really did you really was like did? you know because i when she was in said she was gonna be in a deer stand i was like i think i love you <laughs> i was like so bro. honestly so inseparable <laughs> yeah and she i mean like i even i even asked her if i could kiss her at the end of the night i was like can i kiss you what'd she, <laughs> I was say? Like, she said yes absolutely i was like dude come on when was that 2014 yeah that was uh yeah right i think that was december the 20th so y'all been married six and a half years you've been together somewhere around seven eight years um no we got we got married in what was that that would have been 2016 in april nice. april 21st there you go yeah so we just had an anniversary hey happy anniversary yeah, we're going to celebrate that in a, in a month or so. Good for you. Because, I can, and that's the thing. Like, the baby being born, you know, that that week. So. Y'all are past the honeymoon stage. What's the honeymoon stage? First two years? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, they're past the honeymoon stage. She that was really, the- really loves him, dude. Like, she loves. You could tell, like, certain wives, like, you know, they're just like, oh, that's my husband. And especially after you get, like, 10 years, it's just kind of like, oh, that's my husband. They're loyal. They're good people. But there's not sparks. There's no sparks there. There's no electricity. Dude, they got sparks. They got electricity. Now, obviously, they, kid number five. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I can tell, like the way you guys look at each other, like how affectionate people are. Like you can tell a lot of a relationship by the way the husband and wife talk about the other person behind their back. Yeah. If they edify them or if they do passive aggressive jokes and which, you know, we do that like fun stuff, but like, they build each other up like she builds you up like you oh, can absolutely. tell she 
you know, like men, we want to feel admiration. We want to know we did a good job. We want to be our wise knight mm-hmm. in shining armor. And it's very important for the wives to tell us that. In, oh, yeah. In year one and in year 21. And she does that really well for you, dude. She, she Oh, absolutely. That's that's one of the beautiful things of many of the one of the many beautiful things of our relationship is that that was something that I felt like I had I had always missed in a relationship. Everything else, you know, is like they they could be beautiful, they could, you know, they have good conversation, things like that, which um, but the the not I'm trying to think of how to say it without it sounding weird, but it's basically the, not that I need you, but I want you. Yeah. It's not that, you know, that, that's what for her. That's a, for me. That's the way she is for me. She's like, it's not that I need you, but I, but I want you. And that's the cool part. That's rad. Um, so tell us now. So after the voice it's see, and here's, you know, here's what people think. And this is what I thought when I was on American Idol, even though I didn't win, the phones ring in, you know, stuff like, you know, people, everyone wants you, wants to be a part of this event, that event, come sing for me here, there. And then for me, I don't know if it was for you, but like all the people that I thought were going to help me disappeared. <laughs> all the opportunities that I thought I had, the phone stopped ringing. And I'll never forget, man, it was about two or three weeks after American Idol for me. And it was just quiet. And I was like, what am I going to do now? Like nobody cared anymore. And I had to recreate myself. I had to do something. I've, always worked and went back to it like for you was it like that like uh it was it took a little bit longer um i guess and, and <laughs> i don't want to sound conceited with that but but winning, no, win, like no, winning, you won. yeah winning the show it, you know it took a little bit longer but this but the premise is still the same and yes that that happens um luckily enough while once i had made the show uh and i knew i was going to be on the show i didn't know i was going to win but i knew i was going to be on the show um, I immediately started reaching out to other contestants that had been on the show previously and been on other reality shows and was like, all right, guys, what's the real backstory on this? Cause I need to know what to do. And so I started setting up at that point. I, I went out and I was like, I know that they're not going to put me with a booking agent right off the bat. So I'm going to, let's find a booking agent. Let's get shows lined up now. Let's start getting all of this stuff in place. Start putting together my team making sure that I had all this other stuff together because I knew that they're not just going to hand it to you. What they're giving you when you go on a reality show is the ability to work harder yeah. and giving you the tools. And those those people are, that's what they're there for is to, to help hand you more tools to make it easier for you to work. Um, and luckily enough, I took the advice from the other contestants and, and of the folks that had fallen on their face or thought that it was going to be something huge. And they were like, man, it wasn't this. Um, and I took that to heart and that's, I think that's what kept me going. Um, so it didn't, it didn't slow down for me for about three years. And that's that when a long time, dude. I, I felt very privileged that that was the case. Um, but even with that, not, not landing back into a, you know, into a larger record deal and, and things like that, just had to really find something that made me happy at that point. And that's when I was back down like, all right, Craig, what, what are you going to do? What's going to make this all come back to life again? Um, and, you know, it was, was diving into some of the TV stuff for a second. And we, I had, it was actually just the movie just come out, Roe versus Wade. I, I got yeah. to go out and do that. So I was trying to branch out a couple of different things. Um, and then sitting down in the garage with my wife, I was like, you know what? I want to do music like I did before with the vocal group stuff. And she's like, who? Like, it hasn't been done yet. 
They did you nobody, know it was going to be Casey nobody. and Adam or not? I did. Right you off, did. Because I, right I remember you, you and I had lunch at Wild Ginger uh-huh. having some sushi. This is like maybe three years ago. Yeah. And you're like, I got this idea of reaching out to former musicians and contestants that were on American Idol or on The Voice that were really good but maybe did or didn't win and they're not yeah. really known or doing much. Yeah, right and now. start like trying to help them like navigate yes. like you and I have done for right. these things and and find a way the reason one of the reasons I even came to you about that was not only cuz you've you're doing that also um but that I knew that you had the drive like I do. And I was like, man, we can, Me and we, Craig Wayne Boy work we could, hard, baby. we can, we can start like, you know, as a seminar about how to, and it's not even about what to do. It's about the mentality, yeah. help people find that mentality of using what's around you to create something new. Um, Cause it is, I mean, even this past week going through my phone, I'm calling people, to to do something you know to put something together that i haven't talked to in three or four years but i knew that i left those relationships in a good standing yeah and they immediately answered the phone and we're like all right let's game plan on this thought um those are things that you got to remember like uh it's okay to call that number that they gave you they didn't give you that number for no reason (laughs) you know that's one thing i've learned over the years because i you know in my in my teens i I wouldn't say I've, i've never been a bridge burner but I, you know, I, I became more wiser in my twenties, thirties, and then obviously now being forty-two. But I never get nervous when someone calls me or I have to reach out to someone because I really look back like, and, and I learned this at a young age. You, from a football standpoint, you you treat the equipment manager the same way you treat the owner. Yeah, and I've always done that from the producers, whether it's a production assistant or the CEO of a network. So I've always felt comfortable reaching out to people, and and that's just a lesson. Don't burn bridges don't you know and there's been tough conversations you have to have and you just have them straight up you know in the bad times but Mm -hmm. it's so refreshing to be able to reach out to people and be like no no i'm good with this person yeah and they'll at least give me five minutes to you know pitch them whatever i have or ask for a favor or whatever so that's awesome that you did that man it's uh yeah it's been it's been crazy but that kind of those thoughts going on you know it's like dude yeah i can do that you can reach out and then did you so did you call Casey and Adam and say, let's do this. Or did you say, let's get together? Yeah. So what we had done is, uh, it happened over a good, like six, eight month process. Uh, Adam went out with me, um, to, I want to say, yeah, it was Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and he had opened up for me out there and it was so funny. Um, I was on the bus getting ready and he was playing, uh, and Taylor comes running on the, the bus and she's very blunt. That's great about her. She's like very honest. She was like, Craig, whatever you do, I know you love to do it. Don't ask him to come sing with you. And I'm like, what what are you talking about? She's like, he's going to school you. I was like, no, he won't. No, there's no way. (laughs) So of course there's, there's that video out there. So you didn't, you you didn't listen to her. Absolutely not. I was like, no, how come you guys just can't sing together? Why did it have to be a competition? That's what I, that's what I thought. To me, I was like, it's not a competition. We're going to go up there and sing together, and we're going to have fun. Right. Um, and it's actually exactly what happened. Um, we had so much fun. Um, and that that moment stuck with me. And um, I had ran into Casey at uh Wait, real quick. In that event. moment when you're on the stage with Adam, mm-hmm. did you ever get insecure? Like, oh, crap, this guy's unbelievable? Or was it like, oh, this is no, awesome. Man, He's I, unbelievable. For me, that that's the way I've always approached music. Is It's, it's never, even when I was in the competition, to me, it wasn't ever a competition. You only do what you stay in your lane. You do what you do. And that's, that's the only thing you could do. 
is focus on doing your best and then whatever else happens is what happens. So when we got up there, what I love to do is sing harmonies. So I was like, dude, take the lead, go for it. I'm going to sing harmonies behind you. And it's, it, it, it sounded I so stinking cool. It was a, uh, for, uh, for me, it was a blast, you know? And we, we did the little cutting heads at the end. Our, we had, I had his guitar player get up and my guitar player and they cut heads against each other. And then we vocal acrobated each other and, People crowd loved, loved it. People oh. loved it. You know, oh, it was yeah. just, it was like one of those moments like, dude, I could have fun with this guy on stage. And I kept that in the, in the back of my brain. Um, I was uh, at an event wearing a cowboy hat um, and Casey walks in and he and I both being from Texas, uh, he immediately walks over. He's like, you got to be from Texas. I'm like, of course I am. <laughs> and we like immediately hit it off. Like we had known each other for, you know, 30 years or something. Um, and we got to chat and it was like, yeah, you know, I just got married and he was like, oh dude, me too. Where's where she, where she from? I was like from LA. He's like, so is, so is my wife. And he said, what area? I was like from Valencia. So is my wife. No way. And you guys were married to the same woman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we were in trouble, <laughs> but even better. Taylor, how could you? No. <laughs> even better. They, uh, they were elementary and junior high, uh, Come on. friends. And Are we, you serious? This is the truth. Yeah. It was the craziest small world ever. God so does we, love you, bro. So we brought them over to the house uh, to hang out. And of course, food leads to uh, playing music, right? That's yeah. that's my life. <laughs> so we were sitting around uh, playing guitars and started singing together. I was like, man, this is crazy. We've got such unique voices. And I've always been a fan of him. I remember watching him on, on Idol. Um, and yeah, so we sat around and started playing music. I was like, dude, this guy's cool. Uh, that night I mentioned it to him. I was like, dude, have you ever thought about doing like some kind of group thing? Was this before or after you and I had that wild ginger sushi conversation? Um, this was I almost probably about the same week. Wow. Because this is when I first had the idea. That's so crazy. Um, and that I had met uh, a couple other contestants from shows and stuff, and that's where it started really getting me. I was like, man, we all, everyone's a little bit lost, you know? Um, and of course, Casey had his career was, he was, he was rocking at that moment. And that was a big inspiration because he was, he was out with, I think George Clinton or, uh, uh, I forget who he was out with. I can't remember. It was in the blues world, but he had just done this big tour, big tour and everything playing blues music. Um, kind of steering away from the steering away from the country music stuff. Paul Abdul loved him. Oh yeah. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man. So I called them up and it took a month or two until we got in the room together finally to sing. Cause I'd called them individually and was like, Hey dude, I got this other guy. I know he's committed and (laughs) totally fibbing. Now, now they'll know. (laughs) I was like, and I didn't so even have a yes from either one of them, but I was telling them that the other one was saying yes because I was trying to get everybody together. And I'm once just, you know, I'm, I'm just realizing now that I'm hurt that you know he never asked me. To be <laughs> I guess you know. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's so, funny. Okay, so you get the three of you together, and it's just like the first note or something. Were you just like, I'm a genius? It was. It really did feel that way. Because um, I, I was right. I we we knew that all three of us knew harmonies. We all had been playing music since we were single digits. Um, and playing with family bands and the whole shebang. It was weird how much of our stories just aligned so up awesome. together. Um, and yeah, so then we flipped parts. Everybody sang a different part. And in the blend, when we sang together, sounded the same as when we were all singing the different parts. That's so cool. But man. our voices were so unique individually. I was like, man, that doesn't happen very often. 
was and like Texas Hill was and then born. Texas Hill was born. That so where and I don't know how to describe the different ranges or harmony or, you know, like mm-hmm. soprano and all that stuff. Like, what are you in the group and what is Casey? And um, what is Adam? Casey is rather he's usually lead part like rather sings lead or high harmonies. Um, Adam sings all three. And I'm usually low harmony or lead. Um, there's some of the times where we'll have Casey on the bottom and I'll be right above him and Adam will be up higher, which is a little different. Um, but any of those arrangements though, vocally, it all still sounds like Texas Hill. All right. So just on the spot, like how do you, how do you harmonize? So I'm just going to sing happy birthday and then you start okay. and you go on top of whatever I sing. Okay. Uh-huh. Cause I love harmony. Cause I don't know how to do it. I stay in my lane. Like you said, so if I go, Oh, you know, Johnny's here. Let's sing happy birthday to Johnny. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Johnny. Happy birthday to you. Gosh, can you do it? Dude, we got to send that to Johnny. Wait, can you do something or no? I'm such a bad singer, man. You are? I thought you were a musician. I can do anything else, but singing, I just never did it. All right. That's not true. I'm an okay. I wish I could do Okay, now, this is why I can't do it. Now we're going to flip it. You sing oh lead, and I'm going to try to harmonize on top of you. Watch how bad this is. Really I bad. can't do it. All right, go for it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, man. I suck so bad, and it's so frustrating. You, started, you had the first two notes, yeah. right? Really? Yeah, okay, did. let's try it one more time. Seriously. Because me and my buddy Nick used to do this all the time because he can harmonize, and I can't. It drives me crazy. And we would do Blaze of Glory by Bon Jovi. <laughs> and it was so fun. But I don't oh, know. Oh, that's okay, hilarious. But it's fun. I want to see how bad I sound. Right. Go for it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Dude. Oh, I hate sucking at things. That's all right. Good at Harmony things. and golf. Just, I love them both, but I suck at both of them. Hey, but guess I'll keep what? Trying. You can be the best announcer ever. There we go. <laughs> Let's see. I'll stay in my lane. Touchdown, Craig Wayne boys. There we go. Dude, I love you, bro. So how can people follow you and see Texas Hill in oh my action goodness. now that COVID is dead? I'm saying it now. COVID's dead. I had it back early on. I still can't smell. My taste is about a 6 out of 10. Oh, wow. But I still got the antibodies. COVID's over. How can people follow you, watch you, and see a show? For all things uh, Craig Wayne Boyd, CraigWayneBoyd.com. For all things Texas Hill, TexasHillOfficial.com. And from there, you can find all of the socials, the Facebooks and the Twitter and Instagrams. And uh, I hear that we're we're thinking about starting a TikTok, but we got to get that figured out yet. You got to do TikTok. I don't do it enough, but it's like the the thing. You got to do yeah, it. Yeah, you know. And you're funny, dude. And you guys are such <laughs> personal. Like, just make funny TikToks. Oh yeah, they feel because guys like you and me, like it feels so stupid. Like, why does someone want to watch me walk upstairs? But if you do it funny, my freaking kids will stare at videos of people walking upstairs and tripping it, like <laughs> or singing and like oh, making yeah. fart noises. Like they love it. It's it's uh being with these boys. I mean, uh, they keep me in stitches nonstop. Totally. That's why you got to do yeah. it. So we got to find find a way to keep it, you know, a little bit uh, more PG, and it'll be hilarious. PG thirteen, people <laughs> yeah. will love oh, you. Oh, there you go, dude. I love you, man. You are a good friend. You, Thank you so man. much. Congratulations on your new baby girl. 
And, um, you know, if you're really my friend, you will subscribe to Level Up, Craig Wayne Boyd. And Absolutely. you will like and you will share and you will tell other people to like, share and give us a five star rating. Absolutely, guys. Do that. Just that. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, like for us, like as this is growing, Eli's doing all the analytics. Like he's like, dude, you really need to ask people to give you a five star rating because yeah. that's how it puts us on the map. So please right now, just take 30 seconds and give us a five star rating Give us a like, give us a share, especially on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, because that's where we're really, really blowing up. Let's get this level up going, y'all. Come on. Come on. I love you guys. I love you, Craig Wayne Boyd. Thank you so much. Craig yeah. Wayne Boyd, y'all, is in the house. And this has been another edition of Level Up.